Hello everyone, welcome to the 26th episode of SecTools podcast by Infosec Campus. This is our last uh, episode of 2020. Uh, I'm your host of the show, Sanup Thomas. We have on this episode, Vibin Pavitran with us. Uh, he's a security professor at Amrita Vishwaviti Vedam. Uh, he'll have uh, so many interesting things to discuss on this episode. Hi Vibin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sanup. Great. Vipin, uh, to start with, how was your introduction to information security? How was how did you get started at the first place? Yeah, that's an you know interesting question. Uh, basically, I worked in the software industry for about uh, 10 years mm-hmm. and uh, you know moved to the academia. Uh, I was inspired uh, by my spiritual guide uh, who's called as Amma or Mata Amritananda Mai. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know i came uh, joined uh, the university over here when i was in the industry i noticed that you know it takes a lot of time for the new the freshers to get to speed uh, you know to be productive and so when i joined the academy i was just wondering how i could help to get the students more productive and uh, i decided to ask our chancellor uh, amma about you know what would be a good way to get students to speed and one of the suggestions uh, she told me was that you know make them compete in a healthy manner and so that's how i started looking for various competitions mm-hmm. and i came across uh, what was called as sun microsystems code for freedom which was basically contributing to various open source software by sun microsystems such as open solaris uh, glassfish etc and interestingly i found another contest called capture the flag uh, i had no idea what this capture the flag contest is about this was in uh, 2007 and uh, there was a particular contest and even though i had no clue what it was you know we just uh, got a bunch of students and registered the students for this particular contest and uh, it was so exciting to see you know the kind of learning that the students gained by just taking part in it we had no clue what was going on and you know around uh, 3 am our vm was attacked and you know that was the end of the game for us mm-hmm. but that's how i got started into information security via a particular contest this is exciting to hear because um often we as um, so i started as like you know normal computer science uh, student one of the challenging factors that we had was to um like show the interest or kind of develop the interest in the very young age especially in the school time or in the university time um and you kind of cracked that very easily for the students and that was impressive so good job there and definitely that was inspiring for a lot of other people uh, in the academia and in the industry also to you know have mentorship to students and have young brains to um you know excel in information security you started multiple initiative uh, in the academic uh, and then also they they are not really competing just within the academy but they are also competing outside the academy right they are actually competing with the um ctf competitions in in the conferences and uh, in and uh, inside india's and like overseas as well um tell me how did you all started all these um, initiatives so we can probably um, yeah. pick up one by one there are bunch of items that i have in my list right so uh, we'll start with the security team so that was the beginning of you know the what is called as team bios you know currently they are the number one team in india for the last several years mm-hmm. and uh, it all started with this contest in 2007 right and those days there were you know hardly uh, four or five 
such contests and we used to eagerly wait for you know some similar contests like that mm-hmm. and in capital flag there are two types of uh, you know styles one is called the jeopardy style and one is the attack defense uh, style mm-hmm. and uh, so predominantly you know i mean both these contests used to happen but the frequency was very less and so it took us about you know more than you know two years to actually figure out what was happening because you know the documentation was less and um, so once we found out that okay this is you know how you capture a flag and this is how we got you know we got the hang of the game the next thing was you know to find out you know we, i mean i realized that this is a very very important uh, field and we need to develop more talent in this field and so uh, we we also wanted to start a contest uh, specifically for beginners in india because we found out that there were hardly any other teams from india taking part in such competitions so in 2010 uh, we started uh, the first of its kind contest in india called uh, you know inctf or india ctf and uh, this was specifically for beginners you know across uh, india uh just to excite them so that now we are you know in the 10th year of it and you know it has inspired so many uh students to get into security i'm really happy about that and in 2015 we had this uh, you know problem that you know our team uh was not getting into the top 50 uh there is a site called ctf time you know it you know it yeah. rates these uh, ctf teams across the world and we wanted to figure out how we can get you know our ranking better and so again i went and approached our uh, chancellor and she said that in other countries you know students start out very young yeah. whereas in india it is not yet the case that you know people are exposed to it at a young age and so that was the beginning of inctf junior which is specifically for school students uh, across india mm-hmm. and uh, when we started it you know i was not really sure can you know school students do reverse engineering and exploitation and things like that i wasn't really sure but the results really surprised me i was really you know happy to see that you know school students are able to pick up uh, complicated uh, topics and you know learn and you know do well in it uh, we had students who completed oscp in their 11th grade after you know taking part in inctf and recently we had you know uh, one of the students who came first in a crypto contest uh, he was also you know exposed to security via inctf junior so these are the you know the two contests that we started at the national level and then we have inctf international which is open uh, it's not a beginner friendly ctf though it is open to anyone around the world to you know take part mm-hmm. this was also there to just uh, help improve the skills of our students in making hard challenges and you know that has also been happening for the last 5 years uh, four years ago you know we started a team exclusively for women it's called uh, team shakti mm-hmm. and uh, this year for the first time you know they have done a ctf international ctf called shakti ctf which is open to all you know women all over the world so this is the first time and all these things also help the team as well to build their confidence uh, because what what is possible to learn in the classrooms is very limited when we organize things like this they work more as a team and they interact and communicate and they, you know they develop leadership skills and they figure out what things can go wrong these are all very valuable things to learn before they you know join the industry uh, the other club that i started was you know it's called am force which is specifically 
involved in contributing to open source software. Again, uh, till 2005, I was working in the industry, both in India and abroad. And um, uh, as I said, I noticed that people don't have skills when they join, they take a long time. So one of these problems that I was trying to solve is, how do you get students while they are in the university? How do you get them skilled? And so I was not aware of open source again when I start, when I was working, I, I had no idea about open source. So this particular contest, Code for Freedom, that's what you know uh, um, uh, made me you know understand what is this open source uh, so software and the um, the potential value it has for teaching. Just like you know, if you want to learn a new language, one of the ways would be to read books uh, you know by excellent authors who are really good in their field. Similarly, open source also allows for students to read code, which are written by you know really good programmers and uh, you know it, uh, by the end of their you know one or two years of doing this they become really good at reading code and they learn a lot of other skills for example when you want to contribute to open source you need to know about version control system which normally students don't get to learn inside the classrooms and typically students write code that are less than thousands of lines uh, in you know any, any of the academic setting but here they are exposed to code that is you know more than thousands of lines and they contribute to it they learn to work in a team they learn how to send emails and uh, improve their typing speed they so so many different skills that are needed in the industry they learn by taking part in these uh, you know open source uh, contributions so these are some of the you know uh, clubs that we have done and the main aim being to help students uh, get skilled before they join the industry yeah, this is, uh, you know, I can just keep giving like a bunch of uh, kudos to you for doing all these works because uh, these are something that I have personally struggled in the beginning when I joined uh, industry the first time uh, because all these skills that I have no idea about how to learn it or this was not really like my academic curriculum or something that I have not trained uh, during my young age. And this is definitely a gap that we are always been um, discussing you know, why why the campus or the university studies are not really up to the marks or it's always like maybe five years behind the industry is moving, right? All your initiative is actually contributing to fill that gap. You know, I, I'm personally feeling like I should be just kind of joining student as, as one of your students in this, this time frame, then I could actually be more excelling in I my... I get to hear <laughs> that a lot, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, that's great, great work there. So um, you you contributed, you started like building these teams and they were playing CTFs in the beginning and now they are building CTFs and that's quite super impressive. You also contributed or you also mentored people to join um, Google Summer Code projects um, uh, in continuous years. What was your preparation um, on that? Like how, how where, when do you start this preparation with the students and how do you mentor them? Yeah, so... As I said, you know, I was exposed to contest contests because of you know our chancellor, and I found it that you know it's a really good way for students. And the reason for that is, you know, I think as human beings, we all want certain deadline, and uh, we want you know reasonable deadline, and we want some kind of reward at the end of it, and you know contest, and also a reasonable problem that we can solve. So contest provides all these things. You have a well-defined a problem statement and then you have a you know, well defined time and then there is you know some kind of reward that awaits you at the end of it so 
I came, you know, to know about Google Summer of Code in around 2010, and you know, we had some of our students to take part. So again, you know, we did not know much about it, and we learned things on the way. And one of the things that we do right now, so I understood the value of open source contribution because I've seen, you know, the benefits of it. So in this particular club called the AM Force Club, uh, when students come, we start with typing because I see that most of the people don't know even how to type properly. And that's a very, you know, useful productivity skills. Uh, again, these are not taught inside the classrooms. So students, you know, learn to type and after that, they learn to install Linux either on in a virtual box or on their own. And sometimes, you know, it's a lot of fun to see them learning new things and getting excited with all these things. After that, uh, we get them to learn some Linux commands using certain war games, such as, you know, there's something called Bandit, where, you know, they solve various levels, they connect via SSH, and then, you know, they, they, they solve various problems. And in doing that, they learn uh, Linux commands in a fun way. And then while I worked in the industry, you know, we had this thing that we send status updates every week. So I wanted students to learn that also. So they also send status updates, thereby they learn how to send emails, because these are also very important when you do Google Summer of Code or any open source contribution, because they need to be able to learn to send emails properly also. And the next thing we do is, you know, we teach them how to search effectively on the internet because we may not be able to provide all the answers to the students. At some point of time, they need to be learning to be independent. And also, uh, so for that, what we do is uh, we just tell them, look, you know, there is a uh, some server, it is installed on this Linux, on this port, go and change it to another port. We give them some other port. So they also no idea what it is. So they have to search and then figure out, okay, you know, how do I change the port? And they, so we give them a series of tasks like this. And on doing these tasks, the students get more confident of handling unknown things. So they didn't know all these things. They don't know, but, but they know that, you know, when they search, they can figure out. And slowly they get better at uh, searching and finding answers uh, more effectively. The other thing that we do is, you know, we have our own custom uh, problems that we do on hacker rank for you know students to learn some programming and we give a lot of interesting tasks like you know maybe scraping the web and getting some uh, you know particular data that we want the uh, uh, the other task is automating tasks uh, using some python libraries uh, for example it could be there is a website where you have to load a lot of data by reading it from a you know spreadsheet so they learn instead of typing it manually they learn to read the uh, the spreadsheet and then, you know, log in automatically and then, you know, update the website using the front end. So similar, similarly, there are a lot of other tasks which we, you know, give to these students to think them in a way that, you know, if something can be done manually, it has to be automated. Uh, after that, uh, we teach them a little bit about version control systems and all of them create their own account in Git and, you know, whatever they uh, small programs that they wrote, uh, they are encouraged to put, you know, you, um, update it in their version control. Then we have our own custom buggy software that we get the students to, uh, you know, learn bug fixing and learn contribution to open source. So that's the next step. So then they learn how to, you know, contribute. And then we also have our own IRC channels and, you know, all the other things that we need to, to do contribution. 
once they finish this, then they are, you know, exposed to some, you know, uh, easy bugs in various open source softwares, maybe, you know, MediaWiki or uh, uh, Firefox or whatever. So we, we find out that, you know, these are all the easy bugs and then assign it to these students and they start uh, contributing to these software. So that's how their journey starts. And then from there onwards, you know, they choose some of the organizations that interest them and they get started uh, contributing. And that's how, and so we have improved the process. So one thing I learned when I worked in the industry was about process. So here also we improved the process and uh, now uh, we have, you know, we are able to get a student who joins in the very first year to do Google Summer of Code. So initially it used to be the final year student, then we got it to third year and second year. And now, you know, we got you know, first year students to be able to do Google Summer of Code. When, when was this process started? So for example, like in 2020, 2020 Google Summer of Code, like at what time? 2010 was the first time we, you know, our students got into Google Summer of Code. I see. So when, when do you start preparing for it? Like Google Summer Code has a specific timeline, right? Right. So we start uh, the very first day that, you know, the students uh, join the campus. And uh, now the club is so popular that, you know, there are many students who join the campus only to be a part of this club. Mm. And uh, we give them these set of tasks uh, when they join itself, you know, some uh, even before they join, sometimes, you know, some students email us saying that, hey, how do I join this club? And so, you know, we give them the URL where the tasks are there and they complete some of these tasks and we see whether, you know, they are um, motivated. We don't look at if they are skilled or not because we believe that, you know, the skills can be developed. If they are motivated because a lot of students, you know, they try out something, they may drop out in between and things like that. Since the club has become, you know, much bigger, right now there are, you know, 100 plus students in the club. So it becomes really difficult to give individual attention and all that. So we need people who are, you know, um, going to be able to work consistently. So when they join itself, these tasks are given. So what I was telling you was about all these tasks, you know, including typing and measuring their typing speed, installing Linux and uh, Linux commands, uh, learning to search email, all these things are given. Mm -hmm. And we also support them during this process, you know, via our Discord channel. And, you know, students ask doubts and uh, we encourage them and we have even a weekly meeting with the students. And uh, so the process starts, you know, pretty much August when they join. So by the time uh, it is November, they are kind of ready to start contributing. Yeah, the application to Google Summer Code starts somewhere at November. Google accepts the, uh, this application from now. Yeah, yeah, accepts the application around that time. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you are preparing it like in advance time, so they get kind of at least the basic skills as to, yeah. you know, up. So the goal itself is not a Google Summer of Code. That's right. not the goal, the end goal. Right. It's just a means, you know, for them to develop these skills right. and uh, become problem solvers. So slowly, you know, we want them to be able to be passionate about some problem that they see around them. And how do you use technology as a means to solve these problems? Even when I was working in the industry, you know, people were passionate about uh, saying, you know, I mean, not passionate, people wanted to have all these cool buzzwords in the resume. So when I was working, it was EJB. Everybody wanted, you know, EJB and WebLogic and things like that in their website, in, in their resume. Yeah. And so today, you know, I see students, you know, from first year itself saying we want artificial intelligence and, you know, machine learning and things like that without knowing the foundation. But what I would like to emphasize to them is that, you know, engineers are problem solvers. 
the technology exists to solve certain problems. So they should be, you know, seeing it in that way. And then, you know, get passionate about some problem that they really want to solve. And how do you use technology to solve it? Um, I was talking to uh, Palino uh, Calri from uh, in in, our, in my last episode. So he was uh, initially the uh, Google Summer of Code participant for NMAP, uh, and then he became the mentor of Google Summer Code projects. So and now he runs his own project in Google Summer Code. Um, so I asked him for a curiosity, like what was uh, more enjoyable during Google Google Summer Code um, uh, during that time. Uh, his answer was to be the participant. Um, so he enjoyed being more of a participant because, as you said, it actually developed a lot more problem-solving skills. And on top of it, as as the cherry on the cake, you get to also meet a lot of other industry experts and, you know, kind of scale your network. And that's uh, right. like a bonus point for them because they are not just restricted to their own uh, circle, but they also like, work, even if it's virtually, but they kind of, get suggestions and criticism of, of their code from other people who are actually in the, in the same industry. So um, that's kind of developed their own uh, skills to the next level. Exactly. And the other benefit also is that, you know, some of these organizations also fund the students to talk about their work. Hmm. So that's an added bonus also. So they students get to travel and, you know, uh, meet people that they were, you know, talking to virtually and, uh, talk about their work and uh, things like that. That also is a you know, really uh, added benefit for the students. Great. I love the work that you guys, you guys are doing um, in the campus and beyond campus. Like I now I don't consider that as a just within the campus. You are, you guys are doing brilliant work in uh, building up a young generation with a bunch of uh, skill sets that I wish I had when I started my career. Um, like I never had a GitHub page uh, when I started my first job and I, you know, know about the version controlling and how to commit and how to, uh, you know, do a pull request and whatnot, all these things after I joined. So you guys are doing like amazing job there. So there are so much kudos to you and your team. So if I ask you, what is your suggestions for other academics or other uh, faculties to, uh, you know, uh, build similar process and what was something that you have learned by doing more, maybe mistakes in the beginning, but you learned over the period of time, what will be your suggestions for other academics to uh, bring their students also in the same level? Uh, one of the low-hanging fruits, I would say, is to include whatever it is possible from you know the various open source organizations into the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So that way, you know, it has a greater reach. Um, a club is definitely useful, but you know the number of students that join it are much lesser. Whereas if you are able to do something as a part of the curriculum, that you know, impacts much more number of students. So, for example, if you are teaching, uh, you know, software engineering, definitely one of the things to do would be to make the student, you know, contribute uh, to, you know, some open source software. So, similarly, uh, you know, every single subject, maybe if your teacher, you know, they are learning data structures, they they should make sure that every single student uploads their code in their own, you know, GitHub uh, repository. So that way they learn version control system while they are there. And uh, maybe a lot of the uh, faculty also don't have exposure to the industry. So even the naming conventions and uh, you know, commenting of the code, uh, maybe like you know the faculty is not aware because you know that was never taught to them and they also did not work in the industry. So things like that would be you know good for students to know in the beginning itself. 
so the, i would say that you know go for the most low hanging fruit start with whatever subject they are teaching and see you know they can use version control and then make students you know commit code in uh, their github and uh, the next thing would be to see you know the other uh, subjects um, where you know for example operating systems in operating systems you know we can see how we can use uh, one of these open source operating systems and you know teach uh, certain things you know even uh, for su subjects like networking compilers and things like that that would be my first suggestion because you know that would be uh, the easiest thing to implement but i think going forward maybe even the universities also should realize that just like there are you know positions like uh, professors assistant professors and things like that there should be a position called as a mentor yeah. whose uh, sole responsibility should be to you know drive some clubs like this this is just my suggestion from my experience because uh, the teaching faculty itself has you know a lot of uh, load workload is there and then after that to do this outside classroom hours uh, it would be a little you know tedious not everybody may be motivated to do something like that so if there is officially some you know um, uh, position like mentor which you know would be whose responsibility it would be to you know drive clubs like this that would also really help Um, yeah these are some of the suggestions one is that as i said the faculty can include some open source component into their curriculum and if they have more energy and time and you know they can start a club and initially you know it is a lot of work and then after that when we have a bunch of students then we you know we can have a mentoring chain where you know the senior students uh, mentor the junior students and you know we have to do more of overseeing the club um i'm uh, just imagining that uh... your team or or your students have less difficulties in catching up with the covid situations meaning um a lot of um a um, lot of complaints that i was hearing from my friend circle who are in the teaching uh, field that they were actually able to feel difficulties in um, you know getting the students on track or um, giving them online lectures and giving them online task or kind of monitoring how they are doing all these things but you are already having all these email chains and slack channels and um more of like a digital uh, commu- uh digital connections are already built established in your uh, campus uh, uh, how was uh, uh, you know experience in during the covid situations mentoring all this team and also the the regular curriculum as well yeah uh, definitely uh, it is not easy uh, because even students are you know getting bored staying at home and you know not um, meeting their friends and things like that mm-hmm. so that part makes it difficult but uh, the online interaction and you know things like that the students were quite used to it um so that part there was no issue but the social aspect of it you know everybody is missing that uh, aspect uh, and uh, you were saying about you know the online learning and things like that uh, today there are so many different resources and one of the things that we ask our students who join the very first time uh, there is an online course called cs50 Mm-hmm. uh the website cs50.tv we ask our students to do that uh the reason multiple reasons i believe that uh, you know one of the essential skill in the 21st century is learning to learn sure. you don't want you know one of uh, i don't like one of my students to go and say look this is uh, i don't know this so they should be able to pick it up and learn on their own there are enough resources out there and they should be able to learn on their own so we should be able to skill the students to learn to learn so as a part of that you know we also make them do these online lectures and 
uh, CS50 is something we start with. Many students may have, you know, problems understanding the accent, but they get over it and they start enjoying it and pretty much making them independent. So that is also one of the things that I missed uh, telling earlier. Great. It was amazing talking to you, Vipin. And uh, yeah, keep doing the amazing work. Uh, definitely, this is going to inspire a lot of other faculties and teachers out there and also students to, you know, bring up this uh, culture in the universities and, you know, see things more for the futuristic perspective, not just finishing the curriculum, but also to catch up with the industries and be prepared uh, before they pass out from the university. So um, that's a great work you guys are doing there. Thank you, Sanu. Thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. As I said, this is the last episode in 2020. We'll see you in 2021.